Welcome to the Young Terps podcast. Instant reactions here from CQ Stadium after the Terps top Towson 38 to 6. Ahmed, what did you see out there? Yeah, well, obviously it was a great day to uh, just kind of kick off the season. Uh, I think the passing attack, I think, was obviously what kind of led Maryland. I think uh, the rushing game, you just got, saw a little bit of inconsistency, mainly with uh, uh, Ramon Hemby, or excuse me, um, yeah, Roman Hemby and uh, Antoine Littleton uh, primarily taking the carries. So uh, a lot more to like uh, defensively maybe than on offense with a little less balance there, but uh, nonetheless, first good win. Yeah, and, and I'll start off by saying, and I should have probably kicked the show off by saying this, this is our first time doing this. We got a tripod out here uh, on Pinker Terrace where you actually see people watching the game during the day. They're, they're breaking down the stadium right now, so apologize in advance. We're going to try and improve this over the next couple of weeks. Week one, start of a new show here. Yeah, I thought the um, running back room started off a little slow. I think they could have done a little bit more maybe to get them involved in the passing game. But in the second half, the Terps really kind of slowed the game down, tried to just eat some of the clock, really weren't seeing much of the vertical attack that we saw in the first half. Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, I think, you know, with, with Maryland, I think uh, we were able to uh, score touchdowns in the first two possessions, uh, three three of the first four possessions, uh, with Talia obviously accounting for one of those rushing touchdowns, uh, recording four, I believe it was four touchdowns in the same half for the second time in his career as well. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, you know, the, 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 the passing attack was kind of able to pick apart that Towson secondary, but uh, I think obviously just kind of with the offensive line still a work in progress, uh, whether Maryland's able to kind of create that balance will probably be the biggest question going into week two. Yeah, I definitely think so. And well, we basically started off talking about the offense, so we'll just continue on that. Offensive line, something we've talked about nonstop on this show. I liked a lot of what I saw. There were some little things I thought Towson brought out and Loxley said in his press conference are really, really different. He called it a zero rat, uh, where there really is not a safety or maybe a single high at the most. Not a lot of really true inside linebackers from Towson on the field. Really, really unique and different look that I think will serve them well. The Terps line combos handled it well. I think Connor Fagan, the guy who a lot of people will be concerned about, looked pretty good out there. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I think Fagan, I think he's a guy, um, and he's on well, you know, even in the spring, kind of building off a good spring where he's able to uh, provide some some good depth there at tackle. So um, obviously the, the biggest takeaway on the offensive line was uh, Gottlieb Yedzi, uh no longer uh, with, or inactive, excuse me, today, uh, along with uh, DeAndre Duffus, uh, among uh, eight other guys that were out today. So um, like you mentioned, you know, Corey Bullock, he was a guy who actually played a lot more center uh, today, especially in the second half. Uh, we saw Eric Harris, Mike Purcell uh, rotating in at center. Uh, we saw Kyle Long, uh, Billy Moran, all these guys, Marcus Dumerville, uh, all these guys rotate in. Um, so yeah, like you said, you know, all eyes were all on the offensive line but yeah kind of a funny comment from Loxley when he said we usually don't rotate our offensive line mid-series which yeah. is something that we definitely saw last year throughout the year and three centers snapped the ball today while Leah's in the game which is something that when you talk about consistency we saw all the combos that I think they could possibly throw out there that are going to be playable obviously with guys being out injured but Bullock really stepped in there at center. I think him and Kyle Long was all over the field when they were running pulling guard plays, when they were running yeah. screens. He was the guy getting furthest down the field, 20, 30 yards down the field in, the, in those moments. He was a guy when he came in, everybody was like, this is a developmental piece. We're going to need to see him. Well, now you're, you're seeing one of the few guys from that class in terms of offensive linemen that's still in the program. And look, they need to use those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, him, him and uh, Emilio Moran were two of the primary candidates to take over at, uh, at, at left guard there uh, as Merrill was able to try and figure out what the offensive line would look like for this season. So uh, I think he looked really well, obviously, like we said. And uh, uh, Kevin Kalanji, he's another guy who joined the program this summer. He was able to slide in at right tackle as well. So uh, a lot of different combos. And like you said, you know, locks, it's very, very common, especially for offensive linemen. You know, it's not uh, it's not the skill position player. So very rarely do you see these 
uh, offensive linemen rotate in mid-series, things like that. I think I saw Corey Bullock take himself out of one series, uh, and I believe Kyle Long was the one that, that stepped in. So um, we'll definitely be doing a deeper dive over on Untouched Black and Gold of all the rotations, how everyone worked out, and, and what maybe is the areas of growth. But uh, definitely that was uh, all, all eyes on, on the trenches there. Yeah, Ahmed, uh, last two notes for me on that. Kalanji, I thought he, I thought he looked good. Didn't really get in until the game was, was definitely done. Yeah. Um, and then no Andre Roy. I don't think I saw him out there for one snap, which is something that is a little bit questionable given how highly they touted him coming in. Yeah, Roy was, uh, he, he, DeAndre Duffus, and uh, Gottlieb BID were all ruled out uh, on uh, on Saturday. Janelle Brown, actually, I thought that was a guy that was a little bit uh, interesting that he did. We really did not see him play until the second half. Uh, Avante Williams, uh, I'm going to turn back the tape, but I don't think I saw him in on one play on Saturday, so uh, those those are two, I think, pieces kind of on the on the defensive side of the ball where with the new Big Ten rule with the injury reports, that, that's kind of the, the big thing now, but uh, on the offensive side, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Neo Avery was another guy who didn't play, but uh, on the offensive side of the ball, we'll see if uh, Andre Roy, Duffus, and uh, um, Yedzi are able to come back on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I was down on the field and I started texting you guys around, and you're like, yeah, I know, the injury reports, and I was like, I, I completely missed that one today. I knew that it was coming, but it was just like such a natural thing to be down there, kind of looking who's who's in, who's out, and well, now it's like the pros. You've got to put out who, who's yeah. not playing. It's all, all the uh, the DraftKings and the FanDuel, all of that now. So, But, yeah, definitely definitely nice to have some uh, some transparency on the, on that regard. In the receiving games, a ton of guys got touches today. I think Tyrese Chambers, probably the biggest surprise that he wasn't you know out there with the first group. He wasn't getting as many touches being one of those highlight guys. But you saw when they really needed yards, the guys who were out there, Jay Sean Jones, Corey Deitches, your, your kind of expected cast of characters. I think Octavian Smith has to be one of your big highlight guys. He looked great yeah. today. Yeah, and Octavian Smith, he also had a uh, kick return that looked like it had potential for a big play. Uh, that he got out to around the 40 or so. But yeah, I mean, the offense decided uh, the day started with Corey Deitches switching from 84 to 2. And it ended with Corey Deitches recording his second career 100-yard receiving game. And obviously, like you said, you know, I think much has been made of the wide receiver room and how these guys complement each other. Caden Brink, there was another guy who caught his first career touchdown on his turf. But I mean, Deitches. I think uh, it's been a little bit surprising to me that Deitches isn't really considered among the top pass catchers, uh, pass catching tight ends, uh, let alone in the conference and the country. Um, so I think today was, was that first chance for him to prove that. I mean, he's starting to stick out to me as a clear NFL looking tight end. Yeah. I mean, he, he echoes different pieces of one guy who you're definitely going to see, play, see playing on Sundays, but possibly not with the Maryland uh, tag next to his name, CJ Dupree from last year. And then I think you really see elements of Chigakonkwo's game, just the way he gets out in the flat. He's very, very athletic once he has the ball in his hands. He can do a lot of different things. He's, I would not be surprised this is last year here. In yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely fair. I mean, you look at, you know, Deitches, you know, when he joined Maryland, um, he was that uh, perimeter wide receiver over at Potomac, uh, red zone threat, uh, had the uh, basketball background as well, had a chance to, you know, walk on over at Maryland on the basketball team. But uh, just the, the overall athleticism um, and the red zone threat that he provides, obviously I think that makes him kind of one of those primary guys, if not, um, you know, maybe option option 1A, 1B alongside Deshaun Jones. Yeah, another thing you have to point out, the deep balls today, not exactly on time. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for me looking into week two for this offense is can Leah really trust that when he sees that one-on-one -on -one coverage with no high safety or one high safety and he really likes what he's seeing, just pull the trigger on it. I think there were about six I counted throughout the game, and two of them he pulled the trigger on them, and it was one time I felt dropped, yeah. and the other one that I think just um, Prather didn't turn into a go route when he probably should have. He was up high over the middle, which gave an opportunity for the Towson defense to react a little bit. 
you just really would love to see him turn it loose to some of these guys that can really get vertical. Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, I think just kind of um, with being able to, to, to kind of create some of these uh, advantages with some of these wide receivers, I think that that's kind of be the, the big thing. And kind of going into week two, I think obviously Loxie talked about, you know, just the, the what they were able to do offensively through the passing game, things like that. But uh, like you said, just kind of being able to take care of some of those, uh, those some of those deep balls. I think Prather, I think uh, that was a result of Talia getting some pressure. And that was, you know, maybe some, some chemistry, some miscommunication. So, uh, and, and Loxie talked about it, you know, especially with Charlotte coming to town next week, you usually see that biggest jump from uh, from week one to week two. So um, definitely they'll, they'll have their hands full next week, uh, maybe in the first half though. So so we'll see how that how they adjust there. Last thing from the offensive side of the ball, tight end room. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for somebody to step up there and really take that, I guess, 1B role is what it's been in Maryland's offense. For this year, I really think it's whoever can block the best at tight end is going to get the 1B role. Yeah, and I think, you know, we saw Preston Howard. I think he was able to, uh, you know, maybe didn't make the biggest impact today, but, you know, Rico Walker, he was another guy. And then in the second half, when, you know, the game was much decided, we saw a lot more Dylan Wade, a little bit of A.J. Szymanski as well as uh, Loxie hit. He cited Szymanski as a guy who can uh, block the C gap really well, and that's why he's able to kind of create that role for him. Um, and, you know, the performance comes less than 48 hours after, you know, Loxley just praised the tight end room and said, hey, you know, the running back room last year, yeah, you know, we might be unproven might have some young pieces but watch out for us and now look and you know he's saying the same thing about that tight end room now so obviously you know we talked about Corey Digest what he's able to do uh, in terms of immediate impact but uh, you get a chance to watch a guy like uh, a thick a, a bit bigger body bigger frame tight end like Rika Walker who's still able to move well uh, in, in the open space uh, and then Preston Howard just a really athletic second year tight end who's just uh, coming into himself at the position. Yeah I don't think Locks will be too happy about seeing that he nails a man downfield again. Yeah. I think it really got him last year. That one was was a lot a lot more meaningful than this year's. But I would think that he's going to be pointing that out on tape, and, and maybe he'll pull up the clip from last year too, and say, "This is what this can do to your season. You can't and cannot have that happen." Uh, cost Rico Walker his first touchdown as a Terp. Defensive side of the ball for Maryland. Dominant performance, but still questions with pass rush. Yeah, I think, you know, like we said, you know, Donnell Brown, he was a guy who stepped in in the second half, and I thought he did a really good job. It, as soon as he was in, it was really hard to uh, miss the speed that he provided on the edge, but you know, Maryland uh, recorded three tackles for loss today. Just did struggle just generating pressure. We saw Kellen Wyatt, you know, I mentioned him over on inside the black and gold is someone that's done a really good job kind of through the off season. But uh, we saw him a lot, you know, where they're, you know, lined up a lot more at Jack, uh, but also found himself with the hand with his hands in the dirt uh, to, to kind of help Maryland kind of get creative in that front seven. Uh, we saw a lot of Caleb Wheatland, Fanaja Gote uh, with Jason Barham, you know, on the sidelines. Uh, so a lot, lot of, lot of mix and matching as, Loxy talked about, you know, they played a lot of young guys today, but uh, generating pressure, I mean, that was the biggest question mark on this defense. So um, they'll, they'll need to do that in week two. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different combos of guys. I think Daniel Owens got some time in there today. Wilmot's name was called a lot yeah. on that side of the ball, but the one thing that really got me or that I don't like to see, and, and Lox talked about it a little bit as well, is when they lost contain on the quarterback. I think that's something that they – really have got to work on as the season goes on is if you can't rush the passer you also cannot let the guy get outside the pocket and hurt you that way if you're going to know that that's going to be a weakness turning the corner is going to be a weakness for you then you really have to pin down those edges make the other team play you straight up so then when you bring an outside pressure when you look to do some of those different packages that we've discussed on this show get creative in your blitz game you have a clear target of what you're aiming at which which is just it's really key because Caleb Wheatland had an opportunity or maybe one or two in this game one that yeah. really stuck out in my mind where he lost the Lost the chance to sack the quarterback. A couple where you see guys shoot the gap. Yeah, you shoot the gap, and then you're there to make the play. 
but hey, your left end, or in Maryland's case, the Jack linebacker does not hold down his side or your anchor doesn't hold down their end of, of the field, you, you need to be in your spot when you know that there's a blitz coming and that's something that needs to be hammered home by B-Will and the linebackers coach and the line coach. I mean, that's, that's a three-prong. There should be three position coaches and your defensive coordinator going back at the tape and, and highlighting those moments and, and correcting those things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, you know, I think all, all offseason, you know, just takeaways, generating pressure. I think that's kind of been, been the big thing. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think it's a little bit concerning that, you know, obviously just given the, the competition, Maryland kind of struggled in that regard. But uh, like we said, you know, whether, you know, Del Danelle Brown is able to maybe He'll play a little bit more in week two, and he's able to kind of maybe uh, fill into that for that void. You know, that kind of remains to be seen, but uh, definitely still remains a question mark. And I'm not sure what we saw today. You know, uh, I think one good thing about the defense was that you really didn't see too many big plays uh, after things stayed in front of them. But uh, the, 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 there is one weakness it'd be uh, the lack of consistent pressure. Yeah, I thought the uh, play in the secondary more of just a kind of off take of it. The play in the secondary today for Maryland was extremely physical and was very, very refereed almost the exact opposite of the way it was refereed last year. I'm not yeah. sure if you call it that. Yeah, I mean, just a little bit. I think so. I mean, I think a lot more. Uh, there are a couple defensive holdings or pass interference in general that I thought uh, they, that, that could have been called. But, uh, yeah, definitely definitely let them play a little bit more today. Yeah, Jaquan Shepard stuck out to me. I think it's really, really physical and long corner can really hold down the boundary side for Maryland this year. Um, I don't really know how much you can judge. I want to go back and watch the game and some of those moments that Towson's receivers are blocking Maryland's corners 15, 20 yards upfield, almost just looking to get a pass interference call, not necessarily looking to make a play on the ball. Bo Brayton, Dante Trader, it's one of those games when the other team has six points, I don't want to hear my safety's names called a ton. I, yeah. I think that, that they, those two didn't really need to get involved, overly involved in the game for the Terps today. Yeah, I would agree with that. Obviously, Bo Berry finished with a uh, game high or team high six tackles uh, in the win. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we, we looked at a lot last year with Dante Trader and Bo Braid, I think, finishing one and two in terms of total tackles. Uh, definitely is not, uh, not a trend that you want to see uh, going into uh, going into the rest of the season. But uh, just overall, I thought, you know, just kind of a, a sound day from the defense. Obviously, some, some things for them to, to be able to build on. But uh, overall, like I said, you know, just the lack of big plays that were allowed. I think that that's kind of something that gives uh, some confidence going into week two. Yeah, what else? What, what other takes do you have? Um, what stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we said, you know, just we, we talked about the offensive line. I think that's going to be the biggest thing, um, ironing out the, the starting five. Whether, you know, Eric Harris, whether, you know, he can, you know, maybe create a role for himself, whether he stays in a rotation, that remains to be seen. But I just think kind of ironing that out. Um, and then just being able to, you know, generate, you know, we talked about, being able to generate more balanced offenses here with a lot more of these veteran running backs. Um, can Maryland do that? Can they take that stride in the trenches to be able to create more balance for supposing defenses to play more, a bit more honest? Uh, and then, you know, we're able to see guys, you know, the big play guys like Caden Braithard, Ty Felton, uh, you know, take the top off the defense. So I think that those are kind of the two things that, that I'm kind of looking for in, uh, in week two that, that jumped out to me today. Yeah, I really have three things. One is finding a rotation up front, really sticking to it. I would love to see that. I know I've said that repeatedly, and I know some of you that comment on our shows agree with me on that one and, and really also want to see it. I would really like to see them pin down a group of five guys that can play up front that, so they can find the rhythm in it. And so when there's Big Ten play here, the ball's not getting snapped over Leah's head. There were a couple that have got close today, uh, but that's something that you would really like to see pinned down. The second one is just the little timing things, one on offense, one on defense, the contain on defense, being in the right spot, right place, right time, and then the deep ball timing on offense, taking those shot plays. I love that I'm seeing that from Maryland. I really think they have a 
handful of guys you can throw those balls to, but when you're throwing them and you know that you have that opportunity, you just have to take it. You have to read your hot routes. You have to be on time. You have to make it. And the third one, I really like the game day experience. I think they upgraded yeah. that. I think the scoreboard stuff was good. The fan interaction was good. They had a decent crowd out here, at least for the first half of the game. Caden uh, Prather said, I think, said it best. He came out for the second half. It was like, what happened here? But uh, next week, I mean, hopefully they step it up. Late show will be back yeah. here. And... We'll see. I'm excited for next week. This game got a little chippy. I think next week you'll see some some fireworks on the field. Hopefully they keep it clean. Maryland again, gotta keep gotta keep your headspace yeah. Yeah. there uh, because the Big Ten is not afraid to suspend players for fighting in game. That's something that the conference really does stick on. I mean I, I think it not even, you know, from that regard. I think, you know, just you know, we've looked at it a couple years ago. I mean, uh, fans love to you know, and I think he's made strides, but love fans love to bring up Deshaun Jones and the unsportsmanlike and you know, Charlotte, we've said it a million and one times. They are very confident, and they are letting everyone know that they are confident going into week two. Uh, are we going to see some cheap shots? I fully expect that. Uh, but I think it's maybe the emotional maturity that, you know, Loxie has talked about with, with Talia in the past and the discipline, um, you know, taking that next step. Uh, I think next week we'll kind of be able to, to give the team a chance to, to prove exactly that, the, the mental toughness, uh, because like I said, you know, there were definitely some, some – Cheap shots, uh, a little, little, got a little uh, chippy, like you said, mm. uh, against Towson, and it ain't going to get much better against Charlotte. So I think that'll be uh, really interesting to watch week two. Yeah, we'll talk about that one in depth. We're going to record again uh, on Tuesday night. We'll talk Charlotte, see what their week one results are, who to watch in that game. And as always, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like this, comment it. If you want to see more of this, let us know. We're thinking about going live from here. If we can pull off the uh, cell or internet connection from this spot, uh, sometimes it depends on what day of the week it is. Sometimes it's great, sometimes <laughs> it's not here. So we're going to try that later on in the year. And as always, thanks for watching.